Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Go to or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Sort of an overcast. Uh, it was it rained a little bit early this morning. Sort of an indicator of the kind of weather we're going to have for the next few days. But, hey, it beats the heck out of uh, what apparently everybody went through. I did have my first sad story from the weather. Um, did a plant not make it? Uh, well, there were a couple of plants oh, that didn't make no. it. That's, that, that's, that's just the way it goes. No, it was... A uh, a really cool bird bath that we had, and we thought about it. I uh, didn't think about it before we left. Thought about it uh, when we when we were coming back, and uh, you know when we came back and and looked. Yes, I mean it was solid ice, and this is a it's it's really cool. Um, it, it's not hand painted, I'm sure, but it looks like painted. It almost looked like stained glass, and it had a solar light in it too. So it's a cool looking um bird bath with a little solar light. So I mean it it would it sat out near the uh the driveway and the garage and and it would light up at night and it was really cool. Um we looked at it when it came back and it's like, well, it's frozen solid all the way to the top. It's this is this is something that we got to worry about. And this morning, I got up and as I went to get in the car, most of the, you know, when, when the ice starts to, to, to melt, the water will evaporate a little bit and it looked fine this morning. So I thought, oh, it's going to make it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it until it is completely thawed. And I came home a little while ago and uh, my wife had the pieces of it sitting on the back porch. So, oh, well, the first casualty, how how long did you have it? Oh, not terribly long. I'm just a couple of years, but I mean, it was something, something that we'd found and thought really looked cool and served the things we had served admirably. Yeah. 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 But I mean, if that's the biggest damage we have, uh, then, then that's not going to be, I was, I was reading that this is a, uh, this is a, a, a cicada year. Oh, in, great! In the state of Alabama, which you know is that that's happening for that's not for a couple of months, but it's right. A, and apparently, it's a uh, it, it's a seventeen and thirteen year cicada year. This is the year. This is one oh, of good. Th- we're we're gonna get an overlap this, of, of of both. It's the first overlap in great. however long you know, two hundred years or so. So you be know. ready for clouds of of. Do you get? I've now here's the thing. I've never lived in Auburn in a cicada year. I've missed it. You've never lived anywhere where there were just. Thousands I, and thousands I, I of think, of cicadas. I think in Destin, it's relatively mild. Yeah, maybe of some so. Of the things, but but is it's it, more in wooded areas. Is normally, it, is it bananas around here? Is it? I mean, uh, I, well, I it like can be. I mean, you'll yeah. just see a cloud. Okay. At times, and realize, oh, that's not a cloud. Now, there are woods near me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll uh, be right. I don't. I don't know if they like to fly up and down the interstate or anything, which is I your was, backyard. Yeah. But, I, I uh, was. I was born in a in a cicada year, so it's a. Uh, you know, it's 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 always been something that I've heard about, and I'm. I mean, I'm interested. To oh see yeah. It. Oh well, that that's uh, that's just great. Interested to see what happens. Yeah. Oh okay. All right. Uh, okay. So our, our weather part, the weather portion of the show is done. Uh, the weather and little, weather and, and the future yeah. outcast the forecasts here. A little with a little bug, little yeah. little bug little report. Bug, yeah, time. speaking of weather bug, yeah, yeah. Um, so welcome in everybody to the Tuesday edition of the Drive. 
Bruce Pearl met with the media a little earlier talking about the matchup tomorrow night in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. Uh, if we get an opportunity, we'll let you hear a little of that. We will talk with the voice of the Tigers uh, before too long here this, this hour. Andy Burcham is either on his way or in Tuscaloosa uh, getting ready for tomorrow night's matchup. So uh, that's coming up in hour number one. And then in hour number two, our regular visit with Jake Crane of Crane and Company. That'll come up at around 5.30 this afternoon. Uh, around that, we are wide open. Love to hear from you. Anything on your mind sports-wise here on this Tuesday? Sure, and, and there's uh, th- there's a pretty big basketball game tomorrow night in, in Tuscaloosa that I think a lot of people are focused on. Not Not a ton of... Football news since the last time we uh, since the last time no we no did we're the show. we're still waiting although there have been reports that Hugh Freeze um, is spending some time I don't know if it's in person or you know but whatever is uh, uh, talking with Chris Kiffin today if, if you will indulge us for just and we rarely go into business for ourselves to this degree it is also. Hall of Fame ballot reveal day. It is. It, 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 so, yes, yeah, so this this early this evening, I believe. We will know, I believe, by the end of the show, uh, who will be inducted into the major into the, uh, the the baseball Hall of Fame this year. Adrian Beltre looks to be something of a sure thing. I would be shocked if he is not. It will be five o'clock when the announcement is made today. Adrian Beltre in his first ballot looks to be something of a sure thing. Joe Mauer in his first appearance looks to be something. Of a sure thing, uh, although he probably won't get the kind of numbers that Adrian Beltran no. gets. Billy Wagner, uh, who is uh, somebody that you've had, I've, I've been saying for a couple of years he should be in. Billy Wagner, uh, not, I think he's uh, in his seventh or eighth year on the ballot. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, folks think he's getting in. I'm a big Todd Helton guy. Uh, I think Todd Helton should. Todd Helton in. deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Todd Helton should have gotten in before now, but I think this is the year Todd Helton looks to get in. Gary Sheffield is in his last year on the ballot. This is year 10 for I, I just have a feeling he will not get in because of uh, the you know question about uh, PEDs. The same, the same reason he hasn't gotten in on the nine previous ballots right. is what you're thinking. Now, it looks like people think it could be pretty close with Gary Sheffield. I think if Gary Sheffield were to be elected in, it would be significant because it would be uh, a guy who's, uh, who's been accused of performance-enhancing drug use to some credible degree uh, getting elected into the Hall of Fame Nevertheless, I guess you could say, I mean, Pudge Rodriguez has had rumors. and Yeah, that's true. Um, I, you know, David Ortiz, you know, there, there are rumors about. So it's not like it's not like everybody in the Hall of Fame has, has skated through. But yeah, but if the more likable you are, the sure. the better chance of you're getting in, even if there were some, you know, questions. I, I do want if Sheffield were to be elected uh, in, in about an hour, I do wonder if that would clear the way for the Veterans Committee to start reevaluating people like McGuire and Sosa and Bonds who have fallen off the ballot. Uh, the, the same, it's the committee that put Fred McGriff in uh, right. last year. That you know they, they, they reconvene in a year or two and, and look at candidates from the modern era who aren't on the ballot anymore. And I do wonder if, if Sheffield gets in, if it would make it easier to put in people like... Sure it would. Like Clemens and... and, uh, and, and uh, I mean, A Rod's on this ballot. I don't. I, nobody thinks A Rod's getting in no. this year. I would have. By the way, I'd have no problem with A Rod getting in. Like A, Alex Rodriguez is, is. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's. But but he's probably not going to get selected on no. this one. Um, Andrew yeah. Jones. There has been sort of a push for him, especially from 
a, a statistical side that says evaluate how how effective he was defensively. He had uh, he's had you know we we talked about it, like he had ten years of a Hall of Famer's career. Mm-hmm. After 30, he probably wasn't a Hall of Famer. But that I always first, wondered if he was really 19 yeah, when there, he came up or if he was maybe 25. There, there were players in the – well, there were because players he seemed Because yeah. he seemed to age amazingly fast there, there, after 30. There were players in the 90s, you know, that there were, you know, rumors swirled about the legitimacy right. of, their, of their ages. But Andrew Jones is somebody that there's a – uh, yeah, there, there's a chance he gets in, depending on what kind of, uh, uh, you know, what, what the uh, what the ballots look like. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it could be. Uh, oh, and, Car- and Carlos Beltran is an intriguing candidate because Carlos Beltran probably had a Hall of Famer's career on the field. But there are PED rumors and there are voters saying, you know, holding the Houston Astros scandal against Carlos Beltran, saying he was one of the architects of the Astros sign stealing scandal. And that's a reason he should be. Where are you on that? Do you think Beltron, like there's there's the the downside of him would be not so much statistically it would be, uh, the, you know the sort of uh, you know scandals that that taint his his candidacy. But look, I, I I'm sorry I've I've been a baseball fan for a long time and I I remember when it didn't matter how much how how good a guy you were. It was based. It was based on what you did on the field and the numbers you put up. And and were you a factor in your team winning? And and the answer to all three of those is uh, yes. He's a Hall of Famer. Resoundingly, yes. yes. I mean, no. I, and yeah. I would say I'm. I find myself being like I would be voting for ten of the candidates on this ballot because I look at it between. I mean, between the guys that are first ballot, something of uh, you know, first. Well, Adrian Belcher is a sure thing. Maurer looks like he's getting in, and then. Like I'd be, I'd be a yes on Sheffield. I'd be a yes on a Rod. I'd be a yes on uh, Manny Ramirez, who, who's who's on the ballot and seems to me like a. Oh yeah, no kidding. I mean, I'd, I'd be a yes on Manny Ramirez. So I mean, I, I think there are uh, there are interesting candidates, and we'll see what happens uh, this year and and whether or not the the stance is softening. I I said and I, and I I'm gonna do this, but I I would like to know Andy Burcham's thoughts on whether or not. As a as a, a you know a pretty serious baseball guy himself, right, Bill? Would you say Andy? Burcham? Oh yeah, absolutely, he I, is. I'd be interested to know Andy Burcham's thoughts on the Hall of Fame candidacies of uh, guys who have been accused of of performance enhancing drug use in their careers, because there's still some of that even on the ballot now. So I'm uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see. We're we're about an uh, 45 minutes, about an hour yep. away from five o'clock. Finding out who gets in should be multiple names on, on this mm-hmm. year's uh, sure appear on, on this year's way. ballot and. Yeah, could be could be somewhat groundbreaking. So I think uh, we'd love your thoughts. Yeah. Love your thoughts as well, and you can uh, get through to us by calling the drive hotline, sponsored by Skybar three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You can text the show three three four five six four eighteen forty on the drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast. Available, however, you listen to podcasts. And uh, we will get to our. We'll go ahead and get to our first break. I'd love to get some thoughts from people. We'll be checking in with Andy Burcham too. Um, I was going to text him, but then I inadvertently picked up my wife's cell phone on the way in. So I think I think I can remember his number from memory, but he probably wouldn't recognize the number that it's coming from. Besides, he may be driving. So we'll check. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll check with him, though. I mean, again, if he sees if he sees me texting right now, he won't recognize the number. Uh, so we'll check and see when Andy will be joining us during this next break. Love for you to uh, join us here on the Tuesday Drive.
Bending stretch and AU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the studio, Drew at the controls. And we have joining us on the drive hotline. Sponsored by Skybar, Andy Burcham, who is uh, headed northwest. And I, I take it, Andy, you may be going up 82 when you were talking about uh, uh, maybe having a little uh, difficulties with the uh, phone coverage as you head to Tuscaloosa? That is correct. I am on 82. Yep. In between Montgomery and Tuscaloosa, about uh, 70 miles before we get to T-Town. So I cannot guarantee my reception on our trip. I understand completely. Uh, been been that way many many times. It's uh, really interesting, you know. As we we were we were uh, on a cruise last week, but you know, eighty two goes all the way down to Tifton b- b- before you hit uh, seventy five. So I mean, uh, it's it's one of the old old highways back in the days before interstates. Everybody went thirty one from South Alabama through Montgomery to uh, to Birmingham, and uh, eighty two would take you from. Uh, uh, southwest Georgia all the way up through uh, through Alabama and into Mississippi. So uh, it's sort of neat driving through the old towns, especially if you're not in a huge, huge hurry. And we're not, which is good. Heading to practice tonight. Team's going to practice tonight, then check into the hotel, and uh, then a full day tomorrow, obviously, to get ready for the, the game tomorrow night. Andy, last, uh, last couple of days I watched When We Were Kings, the outstanding uh, Ollie Foreman documentary, and it's appropriate because tomorrow night, I feel like is going to have heavyweight title fight from the 70s kind of vibes in that arena when, when an Auburn team, the only, uh, the only Auburn, the, the only uh, undefeated in conference play uh, team left in, in the SEC uh, go, goes, into, uh, goes, goes into Tuscaloosa uh, against, an, against an Alabama team that, that has been playing well, uh, lost uh, in Knoxville, but otherwise had, had really started out conference play uh, with, uh, with, with, a, uh, with some outstanding basketball. Well, you, you just take a look at what these two teams have done in recent years. And the best basketball that's been played in the Southeastern Conference, year in and year out, is in the state of Alabama. Not in Lexington or not in Fayetteville or Nashville or Gainesville. It's, it's the state of Alabama, either in, in Auburn or in Tuscaloosa. It's remarkable what these two programs have done with this rivalry of late. And it's not just the old iron ball football and then everything else. It is just as good in basketball now, and, and I think it's also more of a national rivalry in basketball now than it has been in recent years just because you've got two teams in the top ten in both the NCAA net and the Ken Palm poll. Of course, Auburn now ranked in the top ten in, in all four of those polls at this point, and an undefeated Auburn team but also an Auburn team where its schedule picks up significantly and it starts tomorrow night with that Alabama game. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, Auburn has only played two games. That's surprising with some of the teams that they've played. But at this point, just two games uh, against quad one teams, and they're 0-2 in those games. And they're about to play um, a half a dozen or more. I think I guess it's seven quad one games uh, on the remaining schedule. Well, you, you start with tomorrow night here in, in Tuscaloosa, and then you go to a much-improved Mississippi State team, and especially in Starkville. And 
and that will be among the toughest weeks, I think, that Auburn will have for the rest of the season. Because not only is it Alabama and Mississippi State, it's Alabama in Sark and Tuscaloosa and Mississippi State in Starkville. And both of those places have been tough for Auburn to win mm-hmm. recently. Um, and so, it, and then, you know, you, you look at the month of February and you've got a return trip to Ole Miss. You've got Alabama coming to town. You've got Kentucky coming to town. You still have to go to Tennessee. You still have to go to Florida. Um, so the, the schedule does pick up. But Auburn, I think, has had a terrific month of January thus far. And not only is winning, but has been winning convincingly. Even in games where the head coach isn't in a good mood afterward, his ball club has played well. And, uh, and for example, last, last Wednesday night in Nashville, the head coach wasn't real happy with his team. And yet Auburn came away with a 15-point win at Vanderbilt. Well, quite frankly, that's that's one of Auburn's uh, smaller victories lately. I mean, they're they're winning conference games by nearly 20 points a game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, have they won a game by less than double digits? Haven't they won every single game by double digits? In in this, well, yeah, and especially in this this current win streak, every game has been by double digits. The closest game was the Texas A&M game that right. Auburn won by 11. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, no, that's correct. Auburn Auburn's got a streak going uh, that you know, and and there are, I've I've noticed comparisons made to last year's UConn team, which did go on to win the national championship. But in conference play and, and sort of rounding into form, they weren't just winning games. They were winning games going away. And, and it was, you know, that, that's, that's something that, granted, Auburn is still 0-2 in quad one games. That, that number will change one way or the other over, over these next few. Andy, I'm curious, like, what matchup intrigues you the most tomorrow night? Because I'm... I'm interested to see how Alabama protects the basket against an Auburn team that's been scoring. Rim, yeah, yeah, against an Auburn team that's been scoring in the paint the, the way Auburn has lately. Here's two things that I'm looking at for tomorrow's ball game. One, can Auburn force the turnover? Auburn has been very good at that. Has a uh, turnover ratio of what 3.4 plus 3.4. Alabama has been prone to turn the ball yep. over. So let's see if that trend continues. But if there is a singular matchup, and I'm not certain we'll see a lot of it, I want to see Mark Sears work against Denver Jones one-on-one. You know, Denver Jones came to Auburn as a scorer from Florida International, averaged 20 points a game for FIU and a three-point gunner. And while he hasn't been that way for Auburn, I mean, there are times where he hits a big three. I've really been impressed with, the challenge that Auburn gave Denver to become much, much better defensively. Talked about that on the postgame show with us a couple of ga- couple games ago about how Auburn challenged it. You've got to be a defensive stopper for us. And look what he has done, especially against opposing scoring guards. He seems to relish that. And, boy, you've got the best scoring guard in the Southeastern Conference in Mark Sears tomorrow night. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting matchup. To what Dan was saying, though, I mean, it's hard not to look at this and feel like, man, Auburn's got an advantage in the paint. Well, Auburn has 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 dominated play in the paint. I thought I thought Ole Miss did as much as it could. I think I've tried to take Janai Broom out of the game of late. He mm-hmm. draws that much attention, 
And I think that's freed up Jalen Williams a little bit. Boy, hasn't he taken advantage from an offensive standpoint. And Dylan Cardwell, I think, has taken advantage. No question. I don't think teams, I don't think teams try to take, take Dylan out of it as much as they have with Jani Broom. Uh, but, you know, listen, you go in and you look at stats in this game, and, well, this, this stat favors Auburn. Well, this stat favors Alabama. To me, in this series, and whether you're playing at Coleman or whether you're playing at Neville Arena, it's just one of those where a lot of times stats don't matter in this ball game. I mean, Alabama hasn't had great crowds at all this year. We know what Jay Williams said about the Alabama crowd earlier this year, that being a, a tennis environment. And it will not be that way tomorrow night. It's going to be a packed house. There will be plenty of Auburn people at this game. But it'll, it, it may be the most important game to date that Alabama has played at home this season. They will respond to that. It will be an incredibly tough atmosphere for Auburn to play in. I think it will be a tougher atmosphere for Auburn to play in than it was for the Arkansas game to start Southeastern Conference play. Yeah, it'll be a, a asylum night at the tennis match yeah. all right, tomorrow night. It will, it will be a, a hornet's nest uh, for sure. And that's we were we were saying like I, I imagine you get you might get a Nick Saban cameo at halftime, you know, with the Iron Bowl trophy presentation. Uh, you know, may, maybe that's uh, that's as as though anything else needs to pour gasoline on you know what you're gonna, what you're going to experience tomorrow night. Oh, but I, if you can, you do. If you got an extra match, whatever you throw it. I agree. I like 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 you need something. For Auburn and Alabama basketball. I mean, the last year, you know, Auburn leads by 17 yeah. at one point in the second half and has a chance to spoil Alabama's night to, to celebrate an SEC championship. Alabama comes back and forces overtime, and Auburn loses the ball game, and Alabama celebrates. I hope that's in the back of these guys' minds that played in that game a year ago, talking about Auburn's. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And then, meanwhile, Alabama trying to bounce back from that 20-point loss in Knoxville. And uh, lest, uh, lest some Auburn fans we, – we had a couple yesterday, Dandy, said, I'm not impressed with Alabama. No biggie. Auburn should go in and win comfortably. It's like, have you ever, have you ever been to Coleman? Have you ever watched Auburn play up there? It's, uh, it's very, very rarely been comfortable up there. Well, and Alabama shoots the ball so very well, and they yes, do it they extraordinarily do at well at home. Yes. At home, they shoot very, very well. It's still a team, even with that game the other day, and I think they only had four threes at Tennessee. This is still a team that is averaging 11 makes per game from three-point range. And a bunch of them shoot the three. It's not just Mark Sears that shoots the three well, although he shoots the three well. And one, one of the things that impresses me about Sears is the fact that not only is he shooting well for three, he's shooting fifty-three percent from the field at six foot one and a shooting guard. How many of those have you found? Yeah, you're right. And there and there are numbers, you know, advanced metrics and stuff that have Alabama not just at the top of the conference, but at the top of major college basketball. You know, as as an offense this season, and, and Auburn's going to get to see some of that. And uh, you know, we've you could make the case. I think Bruce said this. Uh, earlier today to the media that Alabama is in his mind the best team Auburn has seen yeah. so far this season Auburn might be the best team Alabama has seen so far this season but it's a crowded list Tennessee Arizona Purdue like you know Alabama's seen some excellent basketball teams so far this year they didn't see those teams at home either those those teams that they played you know other than than Auburn so it's uh it, it's going to be 
uh, yeah, it, it's it's gonna feel like a it's gonna feel like a heavyweight title fight tomorrow night. Should should be a, a fun one, Andy. I I wanted you, to oh, go ahead, please. You cannot knock Alabama's non-conference schedule no. this year. It is quite impressive. If ambitious, if, even. If there's time, today is also Baseball Hall of Fame Day. Oh, there's always time. To okay, talk a good. Baseball. Okay, Andy, I wanted to ask. We were, we were talking about our respective ballots earlier. Looks like Adrian Beltre is going to get in relatively easily on his first year. Joe Maurer in his first, first year looks like he's getting in, according to you know fo- folks who project these sorts of things. Billy Wagner, uh, pe- people think, is a yes this year. He ought Ta- to be. Todd Helton, people think, uh, could be a yes. Maybe the most dramatic one is Gary Sheffield in his final year of eligibility. Uh, he, he might get in. Folks, you know, rem- remains to be seen. Uh, do, do you have strong feelings about any of those players as Hall of Famers, Andy? I, I wouldn't have a trouble with any of those guys getting in. I think sometimes Todd Helton, the knock on Todd Helton is that he played in Colorado. Right. For the most part. That's not his fault. He was just a really good player wherever he played. Um, I, I think he should be in. Well, hold up, man. I got. I don't have a problem with any of those guys. I think there are still some guys out there that have been denied, and I think Dale Murphy's at the top of that list. And I'm not a Braves guy. You all know that how how I who I root for when it comes to Major League Baseball, but I, I still can't understand how Dale Murphy is still not a Hall of Famer. Um, and I'm hoping one day that he, he gets in. I I like to and 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 just from a purely orange and blue standpoint. I, I, I hope that one day we see Tim Hudson in the Hall of Fame. I mean, his, his numbers are good. His numbers are as good as some guys that are already in the Hall. And if he had played on teams with better bullpens, especially early in his career, there would be no question about him being a Hall of Famer. He'd probably have close to 300 wins with all the, the saves that were blown uh, with, with in, in, in his starts. Uh, so, it, it, that's an interesting thought, Andy. It's it's funny. We were talking about another guy who is on the ballot, and we were wondering about this. I don't disagree with you about Dale Murphy. As a matter of fact, and this is gonna this 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 will not thrill some Braves fans, but I think Dale Murphy's more uh, deserving of being a Hall of Famer than Andrew Jones. Yeah, and I've seen some of the, uh, the 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 back and forth that have gone between other center fielders. Jim Edmonds is a guy there that you're not been, kidding thrown into that argument, and I'm not saying that Jim Edmonds deserves to be in the Hall before Andre Jones. I, Andre Jones is, is, is a Hall of Fame player in my mind, but I saw one guy on, and I don't know, maybe it was X, talking about that he's the greatest defensive center fielder of all time. I've got a little bit of problem with that. doesn't mean that I don't think he's, he doesn't have Hall of Fame caliber. Uh, but, yeah, I, listen, Dale Murphy deserves to be in the, in the Hall of Fame. It, he just played on Braves games that for the most part weren't real good. Yeah, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. And and get to Jim you know? Edmonds, I mean, people would go, who's Jim Edmonds? They knew who Andrew Jones is. Jim Edmonds, uh, now, now I know there were some people that thought at times he could have made plays look a little easier, uh, but he was the right. most one of the most spectacular center fielders you're ever going to see. For his career, 
All right, he's he's 40 homers shy of Andrew, but he hit for 30, 30 points higher for his career batting average. If you're evaluating Andrew Jones's candidacy based largely on what he brought as a defensive player, and I don't necessarily oppose that. You're not that, doing the, He hit 400 I, plus homers. But, but, but I would but, think, but I would think Jim Edmonds is somebody that a veteran. Absolutely, a veteran's Edmonds committee. with 393 homers, a 284 if, batting if, average, if, and Gold Glove after Gold Glove in Jones, center field as well. If Jones deserves, gets in, I wonder if I wonder if the committee that put Fred McGriff in might reconsider Jim Edmonds's candidacy down the road. If if that were to if, if that were to happen Andy do you because because I'm curious we talked about this earlier in the show do you are, do you have opinions one way or the other about players accused of performance enhancing drugs getting into the Hall of Fame a rods on this ballot Manny Ramirez is on this ballot uh, Carlos Beltran is on this ballot I think all three of those guys would have gotten in already uh, had it not been for some uh, rumors or or more than rumors about uh, their use of performance-enhancing drugs in their careers. And Gary Sheffield is in his 10th year on this ballot. I think he probably would have gotten in already uh, had it not been for that as well. Well, I mean, to me, there, there are three guys who's well four that if, if not for their involvement with the, the, the steroid era are easy Hall of Famers. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, and obviously Barry Bonds. Uh, those guys have numbers to be in. I don't know if they'll ever be in anytime soon. Uh, the, the biggest problem that I have with Mark McGuire, okay, and you all know that I'm a Cardinals fan. Oh, yeah. Is at one point, and now he, I think, I think he and the Cardinals have kind of mended their ways, which is good to see. Uh, but, but when all of that started to come out and then there was the, the Senate hearings and, and all of that stuff that came out, you know, at one point the Cardinals were, were planning on a statue at Bush Stadium for Mark McGuire, and then they decided to, to table that. And my thought was this, then if that's the case, then why don't you return all of the money that you made off of that, off of what Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire did for you, and talking about the Cardinals, during that era? Because, I mean, he was the guy in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And I thought for them to kind of turn their backs on Mark McGuire because of all this, I thought was wrong. I did, and, and that's the team that, that I grew up loving. Still do. I just didn't think that they had. Now, since then, he has been inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. There is a statue outside Bush Stadium of Mark McGuire. And I'm glad to finally see that taking place. That's the... And, whether these guys deserve to be on the Hall of Fame, guys, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand arguments on both sides of this, uh, but I, I'm glad at least that this is where my opinion goes on this. I'm glad at least that the Cardinals and Mark McGuire have at least come back together, and he seems to be one of those that, that is celebrated in St. Louis, not by just Cardinal fans, by, by the Cardinal organization as well. Andy, you named the four most famous examples, I think. I would I would argue that the list of players who would be in the Hall of Fame, if not for PED rumors, is longer than... Oh, yeah, it's longer than Because I, I think I think Raphael Palmero yep. is probably on that list, considering his career. Without question. Um, and, and, then, and then there's three, I think at least three on the ballot this uh, year. A-Rod. In, in A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, and Gary Sheffield, that, yep. that I think are probably also players who have had their candidacy tainted by... By, by those and and as I yeah, you point, know I, I, and guess, I point out too, the pitchers were using it too. And no one that, points that out with yeah. The that's something that that doesn't get talked about because everybody thinks of the of the home runs and that's it. Period. But I don't know. I guess Andy, at growing up as as someone with uh, 
who collected baseball cards and knowing the stats on the back of cards and always knowing the all-time records and things like that. It's it's hard to just ignore some of those some of those numbers when you think Hall of Fame. I understand that, and I understand. I really I understand both sides. Oh, I do issue. too. And uh, but but you know what? I mean, watching watching the home run race that summer of McGuire and Sosa, and you're coming off of a a, a strike year. Uh, Regardless of the fact that the, the PEDs were involved, baseball needed that desperately. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine what it would be without? Uh, we may not guys. have it without. Right. Anyway, that's how I feel about yep. it. But I understand, and I understand the, the guys uh, that are that are voting for, and I understand the guys that are voting against uh, the, these folks. Although there are some people in that Hall of Fame that, if we knew all the stories about it, yeah. I'm not sure they'd be in the Hall of Fame either. I it may not be right. PEDs, but there are other things that would have kept them out. Yeah, you're exactly right about that, Eddie. Eddie, great stuff as always. Really appreciate you spending a little time, and it was uh, it was pretty good. The uh, the the cell coverage a little better than it used to be up and down eighty two. Unbelievable! So, yeah. I can't believe that I didn't go off the air with you. Oh it's, man! It's, All right, so it's bas- our luck. It's our luck that the baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, reveal day is also Andy Bertram day. There you go. So we get to do this. Absolutely. All right. So basketball tomorrow night. Uh, we've got uh, Tiger Talk coming up Thursday. Just let everybody know some, you know, what what they need to be uh, getting ready for, and uh, we'll we'll make sure everybody knows where to find it. Coach Randall Dickey joins me on the call tomorrow night. We're on the air at six from Coleman Coliseum. Brad Law in our studios tomorrow night. Thursday night, Tiger Talk is in our studio. So the one time, basically during basketball season. Uh, that we're in the studio, we will not be at. Uh, we will not be on out at Baumhauer's. Coach Pearl will be joining us on Tiger Talk. Coach Jay, this is an off week for right. women's basketball, so so uh, Britt Bowen will track down Coach Jay. Brendan, if you will have some of the other Olympic coaches on campus on Tiger Talk tomorrow night, and then of course we're back on the road Sunday afternoon when the Tigers go to Mississippi State. And the uh, the team not going to come back. They're going to go ahead and just stay since yeah. since Stark will just ninety miles from Tuscaloosa. That makes sense. Yeah, they're 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 going to stay tonight or tomorrow night, and then they're not going to go to Tuscaloosa or to Starkville, as I understand it, till Friday. I'm coming back uh, for Tiger Talk, and then I'll be heading over to uh, to Starkville with uh, with Randall and my lovely bride, so she can see her niece over in Columbus, Georgia, uh, yeah. on Friday. So a, a lot of travel this week, but. Very much looking forward. It'll be a great atmosphere for basketball, and it's on a national stage as it, as well. This rivalry in basketball should be. This is not just a great SEC. No, or this is the top of game in the country. Rivalry. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As as Auburn looks for the uh, basketball sweep this week. That'd be nice. Yeah, That'd be no very kidding. very nice. Andy, thanks. <laughs> great stuff, Andy. Looking forward to the broadcast. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll talk again next week. My pleasure, guys. Have a great day. All right, thanks. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, joining us as he does on Tuesdays. We'll get to our our bottom of the hour break a little bit late. We'll open up the phone lines. Love for you to join in. Give us your thoughts on the Hall of Fame. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise here on the Tuesday Drive. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive. Yes, uh, I, I, I love numbers. Uh, some of the five thousand career at bat. Some of the numbers uh, at times that people want to base things on. I'm not crazy. Dan just telling me that metrics say Buster Posey is maybe questionable for the it's Hall just, of Fame. Just I think that's some insane. Of, some of the metrics I think that, that is tell insane you like, like, to say Buster Posey's questionable. Sure, for the it's Hall a, you know, I think, but sure, no, I think he, he absolutely had. He's a, a Hall catcher. Of Catchers yeah. don't 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 last as long. Had a Hall of Famer's prime. Right, it's you know it's sort of the question of whether or not that you know, he was the be, yeah. best catcher that there was though for a few years. To me, that's that's what's important is that you not just are an all star, you are like the star of stars at your position, for, if not at you know uh, overall. For, but I mean, forty nine hundred and seventy career at bats is going to be relatively few for a position player it is the hall but again I, I again but a catcher hall, to me it's it's a little different if you're a hall of famer with those at bats you know maybe you maybe you still and he's still he's, he's a uh he he was a very good defensive catcher yes. but he also was as good an offensive catcher as you were going to find and i think Ma- mauer's getting while. mauer's getting in with only about a thousand fifteen hundred more at yes bats, and that's, that's that's right that, that seems like that's about to happen so yeah, it's uh, you know looking ahead to f- to future years of the uh, of the I, I think I think uh, Posey's on the ballot in I think it's twenty six I forget exactly you know five five years after his retirement but mm-hmm. uh, that, that's a uh, yeah some, some I I would I would not disagree too much with the thought of, of Buster Posey I'd be uh, very disappointed if if uh, he he is overlooked for the Hall of Fame yeah we're we're coming up on uh, coming up on fifteen yeah minutes about or so uh, twenty until... minutes twenty yeah fifteen twenty minutes from now we will. Uh, find out who is in the Hall of Fame. And, and one of the things, I know we were talking about this during a break, and you were saying, you know, it's sort of a thin as far as pitchers over the next couple of years. I don't think there's – I've never been a, well, there's a quota you got to bring in, and, you know, you need to bring in three this year, or we need a pitcher. You know, I, I think it all just depends on who there is. And, I do wonder and, if and, – and, and where they were at their time. I wonder if how we view a Hall of Fame worthy starting pitcher might change as starting. Oh, I'm sure now that now that you know starting pitchers are only expected to go 5 innings. Exactly. Now now that that changes, I wonder if that you know Yeah, that, innings that, pitched shouldn't be nearly as important as it used to be. Right right on. You yeah, maybe complete games becomes more about or such a rarity. What what you do with those innings and you know mm-hmm. metrics like K per 9 might become more important than your overall number of strikeouts. Yeah, but but if you're only like going that. if you're only going 5 innings, you ought to be able to bring it a little harder for 5 but than if you did when you were trying to stretch it out over 8. Yeah, but if everybody's only going 5, right? Then that'll be reflected right, in the numbers. Right, but then but then don't I mean, don't, that's where it's tough comparing different eras. Yeah. When you go, well, look at this compared to the 1950s. And it's like, well, it was a different ball. It was a different game. And it was played, you know, it was played differently. The strategy was different. They had jobs they, in the offseason. Oh, that's true. They had to have jobs in the offseason because they couldn't afford not to. They had to climb ladders in the offseason, you know, as part of their jobs. And, yeah. and then and if they got hurt, they had to, they had to play with Too them. bad. Yeah. Uh, the you know the Billy Crystal movie's so good, isn't it? The one on on uh, the one with the Mantle and Maris with that the, wasn't sixty one, was it? That is sixty one. Okay, yeah, Billy Crystal directed yeah. sixty one. Um, and uh, yeah, I was just trying to remember there were a couple. He's not in it. He's, he's no, no, no. Billy, I don't, I don't think he's in it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, don't vo- maybe, maybe his voice makes a cameo or maybe something at some point. But, uh, uh, but, but he, uh, uh, yeah, he he directed the the one with with Mantle and Maris. Uh, that's that's very good. Uh, we had, uh, I think, this is Jack uh, pointing out that there's a AHS hoops. Uh, tonight, you oh yeah, girls, that's right. Girls and boys, and it's a tribute uh, to, uh, to to Shauna Davis, um, uh, uh, the uh, late uh, wife of of Marquise and and mother of 
of Soraya and, and, and Antoine. So so it's uh, uh yeah sort of sort of it's a, a tribute uh, night. So that's a, a cool thing going on. You can catch that on ninety six three W Lee. Yeah, so so that'll be coming up. Auburn High really playing well. Uh, I know it it hasn't been perfect lately, but I mean they're still. A, a fun, fun team. And, again, that will come up over uh, in, in about, I guess, about 45 minutes with the uh, with the start of the girls, right? should be 530. Yes, I believe, yeah, 5, 530 with the uh, girls and the boys uh, starting at 7. Yep. Uh, hey, we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, no new news today as far as defensive coordinator at Auburn. I mean, there were our reports that Hugh Freeze uh, talking with Chris Kiffin. Um, today, Kiffin, of course, um, his season with the Texans coming to an end over the weekend. And the NFL does not allow, you know, coaches to to talk before the season is done. And that's been, I think that is the reason that Auburn um, has not. And there's been no rush for Hugh Freeze to name a defensive coordinator. they got Charles Kelly, who's already been announced as co-defensive coordinator. Uh, they, and they also have a couple of other former coordinators on the staff and Josh Aldridge and uh, Crime Dog McGriff. I think the most interesting coordinators. I think the most interesting college football news in the moment is waiting to see what happens with Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Yeah, that Jim is Harbaugh. Right. You know, r- rumors are that he's circling a deal with the Chargers to become their new head coach. Will Michigan promote? Throw, from throw out, throw out yeah, the question you asked me a little earlier well, today. Well, this, this was I, I hadn't really thought about this. I think the favorites to get that job if Jim Harbaugh leaves are on the Michigan staff right, right now. They really like uh, Shamar Moore. And there's also Mike Hart, the former Michigan well, running Shamar back. Shamar Moore, I mean, was, is, interim, was, yes. was already 6-0 and this year. Yes, and Mike Hart is a, run, an inter, uh, is a running backs coach, former mm-hmm. Michigan player that's also very highly liked and respected. I think they right. would both be candidates. If Michigan went in another direction, would Chip, uh, would Brian Kelly uh, maybe? Uh, would uh, God, what shockwaves that could send if something like that were to happen. I, if I'm, Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL – and Brian Kelly were to leave LSU. Oh my goodness! I mean, that, there at are, the at the transfer portal. I mean, how many jobs are there that you think could seriously poach, poach Brian Kelly from LSU? Not many. Michigan's one. Maybe a maybe. Yeah. I mean, however short that list is, right? Michigan. It might, is, Michigan it might is be on. much smaller than five. It's a short list. Oh yes. Michigan might be on it. Maybe if 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 there's you know if, if there's it exists, a school if, right if, 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 if there is a list at all if there's a list at all if there's one yeah. it's probably Michigan so I, I I do wonder if that's I mean yeah, that's that's really interesting would they want to do that or would they want to build continuity with someone inside I also I've heard a name that that intrigued me would be uh, the uh, 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 Kansas State coach uh, Kleiman would would be also a, a very, mm-hmm. I think he would he's he's won at Kansas State he was a big right. time winner as people point out with Kalen DeBoer he was also a big time winner at the uh, I forget which is North Dakota State. I think uh, it was is, is the school. Yeah, he he won a ton of games at North Dakota State before Kansas State pulled him up to the the bowl subdivision level. He's another guy people look at and say if a superpower gives him the resources that he hasn't had as a because Kansas State's not the easiest power five. No, job. no, you're right. If a superpower it's gives not him, the worst, yeah. but it's nowhere near the best. I thought he would have been a good candidate at Washington to replace Kalen DeBoer. You know, somebody who also mm-hmm. yeah. familiar with that. Like I thought maybe that that would have been an interesting Washington candidate. Well, maybe Washington's going. Look, we've already done it, and he was only here. You know, he wasn't here long enough. We well, want somebody and, that's going to be around long. Well, enough. and Jed Fish also did an excellent job at Arizona. Yes, like he did. that was that program <laughs> was a disaster when he took over, and and he's he's won. That was the Kevin Sumlin. He, he took over for Kevin Sumlin's Arizona oh, that's team right. that was that was getting killed, and and they won uh, they won ten games this year. So I, I can understand why Washington wants to uh, to bring him in. But no, I think uh, 
Uh, I, I think, yeah, Kleiman would be an interesting candidate. But, but no, Brian Kelly would be the one that, you're right, would send monster shockwaves through. Because, I mean, imagine, remember, whenever one of these jobs opens up, their, their players can go in the portal. Everybody's every, every, yeah. The portal's available to everybody. And, oh, d- yeah, I mean, drop drop Michigan and LSU players into that mix. And then you got a question, what's LSU going to do? If, if uh, Brian, Brian Kelly goes to the – I mean, who, get, who gets the phone call? Who's, who's their first phone call if, uh, if, if Brian Kelly goes to, to Michigan? I don't know. I don't either. Is it Lane Kiffin? Maybe. And then that job opens up. Oh, wow. We got to take a break, right? Yeah, I guess we do. Uh, Well, we we need to get to the final break of hour number one. Love for you to join in. Again, uh, don't forget, Jake Crane joins us at 530. But until then, uh, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 here on the Tuesday Drive. Get ready to say War Eagle and 390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. I just got that, that they were the raisins and the grapevine. Uh, yeah, you oh, did. Oh, yeah, that's I just, that, that, I just that, got that's, that. That's why they okay. were, well, you were, you were young. That's why they were the California didn't, raisins. Didn't catch okay. that. Yeah. Uh, I think we still have a collection of those guys. <laughs> Somewhere, somewhere at the house, the old California. Races. I could have let that one, you know, I could have saved that one for the next. I was mentioning the California but, honey drops. I, yeah, I, I uh, showed showed him a picture of the California honey drops. So, uh, yeah, one one of the many bands on the on the cruise. All right, we are just about out of time here for hour number one. Our How thanks to Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, for joining us. Hopefully, you had a chance to hear that. If you missed any of it. Check out the podcast. Podcast The Drive, available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform. By the way, Google going away. No more Google Podcasts going away. The whole oh, I was going to say, well, Google's, Google's going doing, away. As a podcasting platform, got the email earlier today, so make alternate arrangements if that's how you get your podcast. But uh, uh, Podcast The Drive presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Go to ESPNAU.com. Use the Podcast Center. That's also where you can listen to the show live if you're not in the ESPN 106.7 listening area, ESPNAU. Com. Again, thanks to Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We need to step aside. Halfway done. Love for you to join in here in hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two here on this Tuesday. It is The Drive with uh, Bill and Dan are you hearing that interference? No, is that? I'm, I'm uh, okay. I, I know okay. what it is. It's coming from my phone being near my headphones. Oh, that did it. Okay. Because I was hearing it like, oh, man, there's something wrong with the mic. But no, that's not what it is, just in the headphones. So, yeah, hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan drew at the controls. Our thanks to Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers. Joining us in hour number one, he gave us his thoughts on um, the, the matchup tomorrow night between Auburn and Alabama and Tuscaloosa. We also talked a little uh, baseball with him as the Hall of Fame. Uh, the There will be uh, the announcements about to be made as to who will be the newest inductees into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Yeah, re- really uh, uh, curious to see. I mean, we suspect multiple names will be getting in this year uh, into into Cooperstown. Adrian Beltre in his first year, Joe Mauer in his first year, Billy Wagner a little bit deeper uh, in, into his tenure on the ballot. Todd Helton looks like he may get in based on his yep. performance uh, on, on previous year's ballots. People are wondering about Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, uh, uh, the let's who else is in the Carlos Beltron. Uh, you've got A-Rod and Manny Ramirez still on the ballot. Uh, Chase Utley's in his first year. People think that if Chase Utley were to perform really well in his first year, probably not getting in in year one, but could get in eventually. So, yeah, I think that's uh, uh, intriguing stuff on the Baseball Hall of Fame front. And, of course, a huge basketball game tomorrow in Tuscaloosa as well. Yep, uh, and and we'd love for you to join in. And how can you do so? You can give us a call on the Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar. That number, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box. That is presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Hour number two of the drive brought to you by our good friends at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. Let's get to the drive hotline sponsored by Skybar. Tie the Tiger gets us started hey ty how you doing i'm doing great guys how are y'all i'm doing pretty well good to hear from you ty good to hear from you guys too man uh so first off i mean andrew jones just gotta get in man he there's there's multiple center fielders with less stats than him the guy was i mean he was amazing as far as my opinion um but i just i really root for andrew he was one of my favorite growing up man I loved watching the Jones brothers. Uh, no, and I know they're not brothers, but right. you know what I mean. Back I mean, in the early '90s, golly, I mean, uh, it, you know, I, I just, I just love the Braves, man. I think we're going to have a good year this year. Um, anyway, I, and, and, and as far as the steroid uh, air goes with the Hall of Fame, just my opinion, man. Like, you know, how many, how many home runs did Barry Bonds hit off a pitcher who was taking steroids? Now, that's no and, telling. And that's my kind of thing. If it was so blatant and, and run through the whole league, then, I mean, the, the, the same guy who, you know, performed well was hitting off a guy that was on it. In my opinion, I mean, I just don't see – I mean, you know, I grew up in that era where, I mean, I was 10 years old watching Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, and that was one of the coolest things that I can remember – ever in sports just that every night you came home you got on the tv and seen what they did or you know you didn't have facebook you didn't have you know you had to go home and watch something you know to figure out if they hit a home run it wasn't like breaking news where it just sends a text message on your phone like these kids nowadays ty i i you know i think that i think your point about the the pitchers using it is is a good one i would hope that rather than deciding that everyone who was accused of or proven to have used performance-enhancing drugs shouldn't get in. I would think they'd give more credit to clean borderline guys, which hasn't really happened. I mean, the Veterans Committee had to put Fred McGriff in. He didn't get voted in by people that were that were casting out the steroid guys. We're, we're you know, still waiting to see if... Uh, you know, if some of the guys on the current ballot uh, get in, but but I would I would hope that it's rather a you know you'd use it to to strengthen the case of guys who uh, are are borderline cases without a whiff of scandal 
Rather, you know, but because, but no, no I, I, just, I, I understand. But I think the that. guys, the guys Andy mentioned, uh, I think are all Hall of Famers, and and I think there are multiple guys on this ballot that that I would I would easily put in, uh, even though they've been accused of uh, of PED use. Yeah, again, I just, I mean, you just look at what they did in baseball, and and I mean, it just, it, it, you know, uh, baseball, baseball's kind of, you know. I guess licking their chops or, or, or trying to cover their butt now, you know, if they would have stepped up and tried to stop it in the beginning, then I could I could understand the leg they're trying to stand on, but they let it go. They let it be what it would be. They they I mean they were they were in full they, you know, in my opinion, they were in full knowledge. They deny that, but they, they knew what was going on. They I mean, look, I'm I'm just an average guy sitting here looking at these guys and knowing they're on steroids. There ain't no way they didn't know. You know what I mean? But anyway, for tit for tat I really want to call in and talk about the game tomorrow, guys. I mean, I, I you know, I, I know we should be confident as can be coming off just that blowout, but I think this is a tricky game in Colum Coliseum. Oh, I, I agree. I, I can't imagine anybody thinking that this is just going to be a cakewalk. But I do see the game being won in the paint for Auburn. I do think, if I'm not mistaken, that we do have the best, three-point defense in the SEC as far as uh, opposition percentage, or maybe we're second. So I think we're going to be okay there. I think that's the only way Bama wins, in my opinion, is they're going to have to shoot you know, 50% from three and then shoot 40 of them. I don't see anybody on their team that can really bring the, the, the – the pain in the paint, you know, as far as with Broom and Caldwell and, and Jalen Williams and uh, Baker, I mean, I just don't see them being as big as us. And, I, I mean, it, it, and these are the games. It looks too easy. Yeah, they don't, have, looks- they don't have the Betty Yako inside. They've got, you know, Grant Nelson is a tall guy who's not – a you know he's not a force inside. He'd rather play outside. Pringle's a physical player. He is, but, but not, I mean he's not Bediaco. No, you're right. I mean, and that's and that is something that I'm I'm curious to see. You know, I'm I'm expecting, and I imagine this is where Bruce and the and the coaching staff is too. I'm expecting Alabama to really load the paint defensively and force Auburn to shoot over them. Like I'm thinking, they can't let mm-hmm. they can't let this be one on one matchups around the basket because maybe their maybe their post can't uh, you know maybe maybe their second best post can't defend Jalen Williams or their third best guy you know the matchups don't really favor them uh, but but if they can you know if, if they can make it tougher inside maybe Auburn's gonna have to hit, hit their threes on the road which is something that that you know that that's, that's yeah we'll we'll have to see if they do that yeah. this is a place Auburn you know throughout history it's been a difficult place for Auburn to shoot well. Yeah, and well, I wanted to say, man, guys, we're we're not. I still don't think we're getting enough credit uh, as far as credit due to us. Um, just as far as national and, and rankings, I mean, you know, everybody, every announcer that you hear that watches us talks about how we're such a sneaky team. But you know, the media can be ran by a couple different people, and the big. Where do you think, Ty? Where do you think Auburn should be ranked? I mean, they're they're up to eight in the poll, and I mean, I I I could. I actually think Auburn's got a stronger resume than Kentucky, um, but Kentucky's yep. got the brand name that that yeah. keeps them, uh, exactly. you know, in, in the top in the in the top seven. Um, Kansas lost a couple of games, dropped from from three to seven in the most recent poll. But you know, I kind of think somewhere between four and eight is about right for Auburn now. 
and that could change if Auburn goes on the road and beats some of these good teams coming up on the schedule. Well, I mean, you look at our two losses. I mean, I don't think anybody in the country – I mean, you know, that's always it's, – it's, I hate saying that, but I, I think we have the two best losses in the country. And there are, I think, at least six teams that have a worse record than us, ranked ahead of us. I think only one has is, is 14-2. and two. Um, Yeah, and I think what, what everybody – I think the doubters are just waiting to see – when Auburn plays more quad one teams away from, you know, especially away from home. So yeah, that's, that's where that's where tomorrow is going to be, uh, you know, a huge test. And then, you know, Auburn turns around and goes to Starkville um, this weekend. I mean, that's, that's what everybody's waiting to see. Well, you know, the media and whoever can doubt us, but the one people that you can definitely bank on that know their stuff is Vegas. Just to let you guys know, we were a – I think it was twelve fifty or thirteen hundred plus thirteen hundred to win the SEC at the beginning of the year. As of today, we are plus one ten. Closest one to us is Kentucky at two eighty. Yeah, I, so, I, I can understand why people are looking at, especially with the way Auburn has started. They're looking at Auburn and thinking this: this is, if you had to bet right now, the favorite to win the regular season title. Tennessee's it, Tennessee's it got a schedule that you know it makes makes me think that game. You know there will be major implications when Auburn goes to Knoxville at the end of next month. Uh, but a couple of teams feel like they've played their way, uh, you know, either to the bubble or all the way out of the race already. Well, and the last thing I want to say is, man, look, uh, a, a true man admits when he's wrong. And I'll be honest with you: at the end of last year, I was I said KD needed to go. I was I, I just I you know I just I, you know I, I wanted the best for the young man. I just didn't think he was the the player that he is this year and and he wasn't last year and i just want to say man i hope he's listening because dude i was wrong and you are on fire you are the heart of our team right now i mean guys our second string is almost as, as good or it, better than our it's, first yeah uh, and, and this this is crazy i'm i get you know it's like it pumps me up when they come in i mean they are they are just pure energy one, when that group is in. One thing I will, one thing I will dispute a little bit about what you said earlier, Ty. The 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 Baylor neutral site loss isn't a bad loss, and the and the App loss is a quad one loss. But it's you know it's barely a quad one loss because App just moved back yeah, in the top like seventy five. There there are a bunch of teams in the league that have a, a better loss on paper than at App State. Um, but but they're App but, State is not a bad team. No 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 App State's in you know they're they're in the top seventy five in net ranking right now. They've they've only lost one Watch Sunday. Now they're going they're going to push Troy for that for that for that conference. Well, there's there's also a JMU team that's got something to say about what's going to happen in that conference too. That was that's really right. really good earlier in the season. But no, I, I agree with you. And so, and Southern Miss is. Uh, Southern Miss is sneaky in the Sun Belt as well. I think they'd beat a lot of teams, but uh, but no, I, I think uh, uh, the next the next few weeks will really give you a better idea of, especially on the road, uh, of what this Auburn team is. You know, the, the true ceiling beyond even the regular season. Although I think the next couple of games will also have something to say about the regular season title race. A hundred percent, man. At Alabama, at Mississippi State, Monday or Sunday, we'll be we'll really know where this Auburn team is at, yep. and uh, and how and how focused and how. How deep we are, because I think that's our that's our strong suit. And guys, I mean, that was awesome. Uh, we had eleven players score before halftime on Saturday. Yeah, that, that was that was crazy. That is, that is and as always, War Damn Eagle, guys. Cool stuff, Ty. Appreciate the call. We'll get one more before we get to our first break of our number two. And Jeremy is up next. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. 
Yeah, hey guys. Um, like, worrying about the rankings and stuff, it's just, it doesn't matter in basketball. Um, I, I'm just, there was, there was a guy the other day asking, like, what's, what's the record going to be for the team that wins the SEC? Because he was, you know, it, it, he was having a discussion with me about it being, being Auburn and, you know, does, you know, four losses win it, three losses win it. And, and my thing to him was, if we're still in first place at the end of this week, we've got a, a real shot because there's a good chance that we're not. And not a good chance. There's there's an average chance that we're not at the end of this week. Yeah, I mean, Auburn, so, Auburn splits these games this week. They're... They they very well could be at least tied. I haven't seen a I haven't seen a not have the tiebreaker. I haven't seen a number. I have not seen a number for tomorrow night's game. I'm guessing Alabama will be favored at tip off. Like that's my 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 guess. If I think it'll be close, but I'm I'm thinking Alabama is a slight favorite when tomorrow night's game tips. Yeah, more than likely. Um, Just that's a quality team playing at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. I you know my my hope is. We could play with this as as much passion and everything as we're talking about. I hope we keep playing with the same composure that we played, because yeah, we're flying around and, and all that other kind of stuff. Keep not turning the ball over and taking quality shots. You're gonna be fine. Like we we will be just fine. There, there's always the off chance that you'll have one of those shooting nights like you had at App State, but at this point with this team, that's not the norm. And, like, just take care of the basketball, stay composed, even with all the energy. Like, KD brings all the energy. He's making better decisions than mm-hmm. he did last year. You're right. And, the polls and are... that, com- that composure and taking care of the basketball makes all the difference in the world. I would say, Jeremy, the polls are fun in college basketball. You know, the regular season title races are probably more important than the polls as far as, you know, where, where are you in the standings in your league. And then if you want to pay attention to – uh, Lenardi does a good job. Jerry Palm does a good job of guys projecting the bracket field. I forget where Lenardi has. I forget where Lenardi has Auburn right now. I know Jerry Palm just updated Auburn and has them on the four line right now, which puts you in the top sixteen nationally. Uh, he's got Tennessee and Kentucky in, in the top sixteen uh, as well, and that's you know that's that's where you want to be. You know, that's that's the right yep. side. That's the right side of the bracket. You know, usually, usually the national champions, one of those top sixteen teams, one of the top four seeds uh, in in one of the four regions. Absolutely, I guess. Appreciate the call, Jeremy. They are announcing. What do you got? Uh, it looks like Adrian Beltre has been the first uh, addition named to the class of 2024 for the Major League Hall of Fame. Someone who yeah had, had an outstanding career, not just you know his, his, his individual yeah. peaks, but oh, also the... 20 the, seasons, yeah. nearly 500 career homers. In the 3,000-hit club. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so uh, we'll, uh, we'll update you when we get back. Yellowhammer, hang on. You'll be up, too, when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Baseball Hall of Fame. We have some history. Joe Maurer is the number two that was announced. And we have our second ever SEC product in the Hall of Fame. As a matter of fact, he is the second member of his, uh, of his football team. He and, his, uh, he and the quarterback that he backed up are both Hall of Famers now. Todd Helton 
of the Colorado Rockies. Former Tennessee volunteer. Former Tennessee quarterback and, right. and first baseman. Todd Helton and Joe Maurer both played their entire careers with one team. That is Twins correct. and the Colorado Rockies. Adrian Beltre, as we talked about throughout the show, also elected to the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. Those are the only three selected, so check out this list of no's. Yeah, no kidding. No A-Rod. No... Uh, Gary Sheffield in his final year no of eligibility. Carlos Beltran. No yeah. Carlos Beltran. In his Beltran. final year before he goes to the vet, before the veterans. That's committee. right. Sheffield off the ballot after not being selected right. in year ten. Andrew Jones not selected. Uh, no Omar Vizquel. No Billy Wagner. No Billy Wagner. No Manny Ramirez. No Andy Pettit. Uh, so quite a few big names not selected mm-hmm. this year for the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, and, uh, and Bill, you're, you're, you're passionate about Billy Wagner not getting in. I really think he should be in. I mean, the guy, the guy had uh, uh, stellar numbers for his entire career with the, uh, with the, the Astros, the Mets. I mean, um, over 400 career saves, a, a career uh, ERA of a little over two, three, a whip barely of one, strikeout, you know, 12 strikeouts per nine innings. The only reason uh, I, I, I would. Yeah, I think he ought to be. The it. only reason I would leave Billy Wagner off my Hall of Fame ballot this year is because maybe there are 10 hitters on this ballot that I think would would belong in before Billy Wagner. But I have no problem with Billy Wagner getting in, and he did not get in uh, this year. Uh, on, on to, you know, he's got, I think, two years of eligibility remaining. It was either year seven or year eight for Wagner on the ballot. But, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, and we'll get percentages uh, before the end of the hour, I think, finding out how the, uh, you know, how, what the ballots look like. But, yeah, so Beltre, Maurer, and Todd Helton, your three selections to the, uh, to, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. All right, let's get back to the Drive Hotline, sponsored by Sky Bar and Yellowhammer. has been hanging on. Hey, Yellowhammer. Hey, afternoon. Uh, so, uh, talking about Auburn basketball, but first, uh, I want to say uh, this, that there are these uh, cliches of sports where uh, we have uh, you know, something like uh, defense travels, you win with defense, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and so, if you look at Auburn's basketball team, and the depth that we have, which seems uncommonly rare to have this much. No, depth. you're you're not, you're not kidding. You're absolutely right about that. <laughs> but anyway, this would allow you to uh, really uh, tack on defense to where later in the game you could almost be suffocating the other team. I, I would think. And so, if, pretend you're Alabama, you know that's coming. <laughs> and how much depth do you have, and what can you do? Well, I think it's going to be interesting, and and the first thing to watch, and it's always tougher on the road, is the 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 fouls that are called. Auburn is an aggressive team defensively. I'm sure Nate Oates and Alabama are going to be in the officials' ear from pregame on about, hey, look how physical they are. They're they're hacking us. I would think. I mean, Alabama loves to shoot. They they want to either shoot layups or threes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to see if they could draw a foul or two inside early on. But, I mean, um, I agree with what what Andy Burcham was saying a while ago. I expect them defensively to try to pack it in and see if Auburn can beat them from the outside. But I think the, the way the game is called is going to be very, very important for Auburn because, yes, they have a depth advantage. But, boy, you don't want to get, uh, you know, Broom and Jalen or something like that into early foul trouble. All right. Well, thanks. Appreciate the call, Yellowhammer. Yep, you too. 334-321-1390. Who have we got? John. John is up next. Hey, John. 
Hey guys, uh, I, I, I uh, on the game tomorrow night. I think um, Sears and Nelson will be matchups. I think Auburn has to win it if they want to win the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys recall. You mentioned Styles earlier. Bruce Pearl went off on the post game last year over there about. Um, I mean, Broom just got kind of took all kinds of shots. Off oh yeah, you're right. I mean, he got mauled on. I think one of those plays. So, be interested to see how the officiating is. Hopefully, Auburn can turn things around. I had one other question because I saw some chatter online about this. Has any decisions been made about what they're going to do with uh, the old Beardies Memorial Coliseum? And the reason I asked that is I was looking online and I saw where Ole Miss actually played a game at their old building last year. No, I think in November. Um, and it made me thinking, what's Auburn's plans with uh, Beardies Memorial Coliseum? So I got appreciate it, guys. Good stuff, John. Yeah, it's funny. I, I saw an interview. I think AL.com had an interview with um, John Cohen, and he was talking about uh, upgrades, specifically the, the football stadium, but having to determine what is going to be the end result there of Beard Eves. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation through the years as to, well, are you going to implode it and put a parking deck you're going to be able to create some more office space and then use that space for other things but dan you and i've talked about it i think it would be cool too if possible to have like a a throwback game there in in the old beardies memorial coliseum if if they could do it now i remember talking with mark murphy about this and i think mark wrote something in the uh the villager maybe this would have been over the summer about uh-huh. like so so uh, with the with the addition of the football, with the new with the Waltos uh, n- now in operation, there is empty office space throughout the old football mm-hmm. complex, right? The old building, and I I wonder if the thinking is everyone in the athletic department with office space in Beardy's Coliseum could gradually be moved to the uh, football complex now that now that yeah. the now that the Walt has its own, and then if you move everyone out of Beardy's, then. I I would think Auburn's going to look at that space as too valuable to keep the building standing. It's hard to imagine it would just. I mean, now it's. I mean, it, it's used for some things, but I mean, um, I. That's one of the things that we we really haven't heard, um, John Cohen discuss that. I don't know that it's really been asked directly of him. So. Mark Murphy wrote a piece for the Auburn Villager last year. Auburn moves toward Beard Eve's demolition, and so I would trust Mark on this one, right? So, yep. So he's and he's talking about. You know, it looks uh, plans are underway. I'm going to read from Mark's piece. Plans are underway for athletic department personnel still using the facility to move to the previous football complex, which has plenty of unused space available uh, with the Walt in operation as the new headquarters for that sport, uh, unquote. Uh, Mark also points out there could be logistical challenges uh, for demolishing Beardy's Coliseum with the steel, concrete. Uh, I don't think he mentions the insulation, but that also would probably be something uh-huh. uh, to uh, uh, to deal with. And Mark also listed in that article uh, the, uh, the the different people who played concerts over the years, which at, is which is a very Coliseum. impressive list, a, a very impressive list. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, good stuff, John. Appreciate the call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Stay tuned. Jake Crane of Crane and Company joins us when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Back on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday evening. Bill and Dan 
uh, back here in the studio with Drew at the controls. And we'll head to the Drive Hotline, sponsored by Skybar. And welcome in Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Jake, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. How was the uh, the vacation, man? Did you have a good time? Oh, man, it was great. The weather never got – I don't think we were ever under 70 degrees from the time we oh, got down to Fort Lauderdale. And it was uh, great music, great food. Uh, uh, glad it was things had thawed out a little bit by the time we got back. So, yeah, perfect timing. Nice, yeah. Up here in Nashville, man, it was like a scene from Elf. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think people were saying it, it was a scene from – and it sort of rhymed with Elf. Uh for a lot of for a lot of folks, I was just glad we didn't have any frozen pipes or anything when we got back. But uh, hey, it's a but, win. It's yeah. a win. Hey, the I one get. Thing I've learned about in a house is that nothing's ever not broken. Yeah, really. Ooh. Yeah, that's 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 uh, one of the joys of home ownership. Uh, that's I know. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, I get back. So while I'm gone, I didn't. I have very limited internet access. The only thing I could do is every once in a while uh, check a headline, and every time I did, it said. Uh, Kept saying something about a mass exodus from Tuscaloosa. Man, that is that has been crazy. Um, but I guess I don't. Why why should people be terribly surprised that Nick Saban, the Pied Piper, as far as recruiting is gone for seventeen years? When he's gone, uh, you would expect there to be some scattering. For sure. I mean, welcome to mortality. I, I mean, you know, there's never been a better time with, with the transfer portal. To commit to a coach, and I think what you saw, and, and rightfully so, I, it's a great business decision to go play college football for Nick Saban. Uh, but, you know, I think you're seeing some of that, and, and whenever you have a chapter like this that is the greatest chapter in Alabama football, even though Bear did some incredible things, I think we can say Nick Saban's our greatest coach ever, uh, you're going to get some exodus when you have the ability to just hop in the portal at any point in time. But when you commit to a coach, and that coach doesn't go somewhere else, right? He retires. There's really nowhere else to go, and you're not going to stay where you're at. So I don't think it should surprise anybody, but i tell you what. Now I know what it's like when Luke Skywalker blew up the Death Star and landed back at the Rebel base. I'm really interested to see, Jake, how these programs, and we'll see if more programs join this list, uh, Alabama and Washington are programs that had to deal with the roster turnover of a late coaching change. You know, after a lot of players in the portal had sort of already made their decision, Michigan could have to deal with that. Although if Michigan promotes from within, I wonder if we'll see the same kind of turnover at Michigan when Harbaugh takes an NFL job, as opposed to if Michigan brings in, I don't know, Brian Kelly or something like that. We'll see what kind of, we'll see what that, uh, you know, dr- drop that pipe bomb into the uh, college football offseason and, uh, and see what happens. But there's no solution to that, right? Because college football is not going to, I mean, the portal needs to be open the first couple of weeks of January because that's when uh, th- that that's when uh, the, the 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 spring term hasn't started yet, and uh, you're not going to crown a national champion before the portal. You know, you're not going to crown a national champion on on Christmas in college football. The TV networks won't go for something like that. So it seems like it's just going to have to be a problem that any program that deals with a late in the game. A coaching change has to find a way to weather, right? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of problems with the transfer portal, but but I am a fan of if the head coach leaves, whether he takes another job, whether he retires, whether he's fired, 
I do believe players should be able to transfer, uh, get one year, you know, free to transfer. Not the offensive coordinator, not the defensive coordinator, but if the head coach leaves. I, I do think that's an area where you should have the right to transfer. And I almost wonder, though, is it, is it worth the trade-off? Like, if we're in a position where now I have to worry that we're still playing so late in the season that if my coach leaves, that it's going to hurt us in the transfer portal because we'll be many of the few that are actually open because the rule is if your head coach leaves, you have 30 days in the transfer portal. I would love to have that problem. That sounds like a high-class problem to me. Uh, you won't hear me complain a bit. Now, the Michigan part you brought up, that's why, that's why I'm very interested – to see, I know Michigan would most likely promote from within, but how many people actually get into the portal from Michigan if Sharon Moore is elevated? And if not a lot of people get in the portal, will that lend more ADs and more presidents of these schools? If they are presidents or ADs of a school that's playing late, would they be more likely to promote from within to kind of cause the, you know, diminish the collateral damage uh, that, that would happen? You have to have the right candidate, but if he presents himself, are you more likely to do that? So I, I don't think you can change the rule. I actually like that rule. It's just the cost of doing business late in the season. Now, there's a lot of rules I'd like to change, Dan. I think, there's a, I think we can make it a lot better. I think we should have rules in general, you know, outside of, of deadlines in, in some aspects, unless your head coach leaves, there's rules. But it's, it's a tough situation. No, and it's funny, Jake. We were talking about that yesterday. I said, I would imagine there, uh, there are more than a few Auburn fans that would say, I'll take 17 years of what Alabama just had to worry about uh, 30 players going into the transfer portal at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. I just feel bad, and I hope there's nobody out there like this. Imagine if you were an Alabama fan and you've been in a coma for 17 years and you just woke up yesterday. Man, did you miss you, – you, you know, you went out with Shula going out and you woke up and, and now Nick Saban's gone. But, listen, um, I actually feel for Kalen DeBoer a little bit. You, you're never going to be good enough. You're, you're, yeah. Regardless of – there's no way that you can be good enough. And I think his tenure will be defined by the level of freak out when the inevitable bad stuff happens, that happens to everybody. And don't forget, Nick Saban didn't win a national championship in the last three years. It's not like he's going out winning two out of the last three, but that standard is still as high as if he would. But if they go to Wisconsin week three and lose, and then lose to Georgia at home week four and they're two and two, they'll be going up to the mayor of Tuscaloosa's house with pitchforks and torches. So I just caution all these Alabama fans, like, don't think you're going to just not skip a beat, right? You know, my wife, God bless her, is from Tuscaloosa. And she's like, oh, well, Nick Saban's still going to be hanging out. That ain't Nick Saban as the head coach, and you're already seeing the exodus. So the level of freak out when it first, the first time it inevitably goes wrong, I think is going to have a long-lasting impact on Kalen DeBoer's success level at Alabama. Let, let me ask they'll, me, they'll bury you. They'll bury you in a heartbeat. Well, let, let me ask you this. Are you, are you sure Nick Saban has coached his last game of football? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I'm sure. The, the, um, so, the, no, the reason I ask is because that that I wonder if that will make it easier is the wrong word uh, because I think Kalen DeBoer is, is but but a lot of times lately when a college football coach has had an incredibly successful tenure and, and, and is aside, still around, he, yeah, no, well, and, he, and he steps aside after a tenure, he's not leaving the sport, right? Which I think has made it tougher on like Steve Spurrier left Florida, didn't leave the sport of football, was still out there, and, and I think that made it tougher on his replacement. Pete Carroll left, but was still sort of out there. I, I think maybe the fact that Saban is gone and is not coming back to college football will, you know, that that'll make it. I, you know, with I wonder if that gives DeBoer a little bit more grace because there's at least not going to be the Alabama people saying, 
well, we got to go, you know, we got to go get, you know, it's, it's not bring Saban back. It's what, you know, what, what can this new guy do? But uh, you know, that, that's, that's only, that's only so much consolation, Jake. Yeah, Dan, have you talked to any Alabama fans? I know, lately? I know. I don't think it's, that's going to change. I don't think that's going to change a thing. What's going to happen is if he struggles, they're going to be screaming for Nick Saban, regardless if he's hanging out in Tuscaloosa right. or on some island in Turks and Caicos. Please come back and save us. Uh, that's what it'll turn into. But look, I don't expect the older Alabama fans that went through, you know, Franchoni and and Mike Shula and Mike Debose and Mike Price and all that stuff. They'll they'll probably give him some grace because they've been through the bad times. These young kids that haven't seen Alabama ever be bad, they are going. It's going to be death no. They're going to lose hard. their minds. It's going to. Oh, they'll, it'll suspect, be Jody yeah. Foster running to her panic room, just praying it in. I suspect if if yeah, if you're unfamiliar with the names Jake just listed, then yeah, it's probably going to be a tougher Yo, transition yeah. to, uh, to to anything else for divorce. And and unlike. I think another crucial difference, Jake, is you think about when Carolina replaced Roy Williams and when Duke replaced Krzyzewski. Like, they didn't bring in an outsider from the other side of the country who had never worn the uniform or coached. Like, they, I mean, you think about who promoted, you know, who, who did they, they promote? They brought in somebody that the fans, yeah, you know, already had a relationship There was an emotional with. attachment yes. from the fans. Alabama deliberately did not do that. They're going in another direction, and if anything, I think that's going to make things tougher on Kalen DeBoer, not easier. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think you get as much leeway, right? If there was going to be any leeway, maybe if it was, you know, somebody that, that had been there before that they had kind of been attached to, you know, they could say, hey, he's going through it, he's learning. You brought in a total outsider. That's what you – and listen, I think he's a great football coach. He's won everywhere he's been. But I, I always say this to guys coming in the SEC. I'll, but see, like, Sark at Texas knows this. The trick about the SEC is not the one-off. It's not, oh, man, well, we just got to beat Georgia. Or, oh, man, we just got to beat Bama. No, 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 no. It is the weekend, week-out, fist fight outside of Vanderbilt, let's be honest. And listen, you look at the transfer portal, I mean, Vanderbilt just basically got New Mexico State, so I'm already worried. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's having the, oh, we just played Georgia. Oh, great, now we get Tennessee. Or, oh, great, now we get to go to Ole Miss. It is an absolute, and now you're adding Texas and Oklahoma right into the fold. So I, it's hard. I think it's one of those things where when coaches go into the SEC in football, we're not going to know until we know because I don't think they know until they know. Is it fair to wonder? Because I remember a criticism that got thrown at Brian Harson. Granted, the Pac 12 is not the Mountain West, but there were folks saying. You know, De- DeBoer, well, let's go back to the Harson era. There are folks saying Harson was unfamiliar with recruiting against superpowers for the best players. Is that something in your mind that DeBoer has done a lot of before coming to Tuscaloosa? Um, you know, I don't think it's, it's as much as Harson wasn't used to recruiting against powers. It's that he didn't understand or wasn't willing to put the effort in as a head coach. Uh, to be able to go recruit against these powers. I think Kalen DeBoer understands the absolute obsession that you must have as a head coach. Even Nick Saban, who's almost you know 80 years old, was out there grinding as hard as anybody with all he's won. Kirby Smart is the best recruiter on their staff. The coaches that survive in this league don't sit down on the throne and say, all right, my work's done, y'all bring me the good players. They hunt even harder. They hunt even longer. 
walk into a high school as Nick Saban with that A on your shirt as opposed to Kalen DeBoer, at least right now, and probably for the foreseeable future. So I don't think you get the, the Nick Saban discount, or you don't get the, the benefit of the doubt that, hey, it may be Alabama, but Nick Saban just didn't come up and talk to me. But I do think Kalen's going to work really hard because he understands he, have to. he has to. Brian Harson didn't want to put in the work, and you saw the results. All right, so how big – is February 9th going to be for Kalen DeBoer? Seeing that in the last in the last uh, 15 minutes or so, reports that Ryan Williams has canceled his visit to Texas this weekend. So that means it's it's Alabama where he has been committed for a long time, or Auburn where his dad played and has really been working him. It's an in-state battle, as most people expected for Ryan Williams. Tell me, this isn't a huge battle for Kalen DeBoer? Oh, it's, it's humongous because it's one of the first biggest ones he's fought against Auburn, and we're not playing anything on the field. So this is a de facto almost mini-game yes. between Auburn and Alabama. And if you're Auburn, man, w- what an incredible blow it would be to strike early against Kalen DeBoer if you're able to get Ryan Woods. And I'll tell you what, his dad played at Auburn, right? He's an Auburn man. So deep down, I know you're an Auburn man regardless of of what anybody else says or anything like that. And if you really want to be part of the changing of the guard between Auburn and Alabama, you got to hit them early and you got to hit them late. And you got a great chance, if you're Ryan Williams, if you're his father, if you're Hugh Freeze and this staff, to send another message after you already flipped a really good player from Georgia, you stole one from Foley in Mobile while Nick Saban was there in Perry Thompson. You go take this one, and it just adds another notch to that ball of momentum that's trying to roll back to Lee County a little bit after the Dark Lord uh, uh, retires. Speaking of competition between Auburn and Alabama, tomorrow night, ESPN, Uh, 630, Wings 94.3 here locally. We will have uh, the Auburn call of Auburn at Alabama men's basketball, a big one in the SEC, to say the least. That's a big one nationally, I think. Well, I mean, I, I think, and I, I feel like I've said this every year the past three or four years. I mean, talking about remembering the bad days, uh, we are in the golden era of basketball, college basketball in the state of Alabama, and basketball in general. Um, it's, it's amazing to see, after what I grew up watching, you know, post-Cliff Ellis, Uh, and watching, you know, even Alabama really didn't do that much, to what it is now where it is a national game. And here's what I'll tell Auburn fans. It is only one game. This is basketball. I think the most important thing about the game is the most important thing about every game in college basketball. It's how is it going to be officiated? Because Auburn has a huge advantage down low. And it seems like every time we go up to Coleman, they are very quick-whistled. And I remember watching Walker Kessler foul out in what felt like 45 seconds. We remember last year with the foul. So how the game is officiated is very important. But if there is a team that could go into Coleman and put it together, it's this team. They play together because they want to be there. You heard Bruce Pearl talk about it. He doesn't lie to guys in recruiting. One of the reasons they play so hard for each other, nobody feels like they're tricked. Nobody feels like they're cheated. They've got really good rotations, and we're huge in play defense. If you go do that, you don't have to shoot 45% from the field. I think it comes down to the same thing it comes down in football. You need a good run game, a good ground game. What is that in basketball? It's rebounding. You go in there and you out-rebound them. That will give you a chance. But I tell you what, to get to the point where it is a national game, 
I mean, just hats off to both of these programs. And regardless of what happens, it's one game, and it's not going to dictate who does what come March. I want to be playing good in March. I'm, it's like I'm, I'm at the same point with Auburn basketball that I am with the Atlanta Braves. The regular season's great, but, but Bruce Pearl has put us in a position now where I'm worried about, you know, what we do in March, which is a great situation to be in. Uh, so it should be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, you're not you're not really worried about, oh, are we going to make the postseason? You're going to make the postseason. I still no. – I, I get that. I still look at a regular season championship as something really special in college basketball because you're playing – No, I mean, playing, yeah, it's really yeah. special, but it's not the most special. It's not most special, but you're playing two – you're playing two-plus months for it. What, what, I, what I can't stand that it happened to the Jabari Smith team – where it's like when you win, especially in a place that doesn't have very many of them like Auburn, when you win a regular season SEC championship, if you don't make the second weekend of the NCAAs, people look at the season as a disappointment. And it's like you hung a banner for your regular season conference championship. Like, I get you didn't go as deep in the tournament as people would have liked, but we, you know, we're not, you know, Auburn is not a place that has 15, 20 regular season SEC championships, and you could say, well, you know, it's it's all about March here. Like, I still think Bruce and this team, especially in a season where Alabama and Kentucky and, and Tennessee are right on your heels for the regular season title, it's, you know, we'll, we'll, it's, it's still, to me, something highly competitive in the next couple of weeks. Oh, no, yeah, I'm not saying it's not important. I hope right. Auburn wins every game and wins every SEC regular season and SEC tournament championship of all time. But, again, we have gotten to a point now where Auburn season, I think in a lot of Auburn fans' minds, and this is the best compliment I could give Bruce Pearl and his staff, is that Auburn season is judged by what they do in the NCAA tournament. And I would have crawled over broken glass for three miles than the post-Cliff Ellis era for that to be the case. Now, again, would I be just unbelievably disappointed if this team ran through the SEC and, and got to hung, hang a banner and didn't go to the Final Four? No, but I think we've reached an era and a point where Auburn basketball is judged on the NCAA tournament, and that is one of the most beautiful things that has ever come out of my mouth. Yeah, it's hard, hard, to, hard to believe sometimes that you're uh, saying and you're able you're, to say things like that with a straight face. And Auburn, I watched Rob Chubb run up and down the court for Auburn and attempt to play basketball. I turn on the TV now, and I'm watching us drag LSU and Ole Miss by 30 at home. Auburn, so it's just it's wild. Auburn's also projected as a top 16 seed in the NCAA tournament right now, one of the top four. In, in, you know, and, th- and that is, if you don't make the second weekend, there is inherently some disappointment there if you're a three seed or a four seed because it usually requires a pretty big upset for a team to bounce you that early. Having said that, I mean, a regular season title probably puts Bruce, you know, it's, it's, it's rarefied air he can find himself in with, uh, sure. with yet another regular season championship. Yeah, I mean, look, Bruce Pearl, where's the statue? Like, can we just go ahead and put it up? Like, why are we wasting time? Like, I, I guess they, they want to wait till the end or wait till I don't know, he breaks the record or something. But, I, I mean, I think Bruce Pearl is the rare heir. I think he's, he's just doing nothing but adding accolades on top of what he's done. Regardless of what Bruce Pearl does, for the rest of his time at Auburn basketball, he has elevated the program to a place. I mean, guys, Auburn may live, and this is no bias or fandom, Auburn may have the best home court advantage in the country. Yep. In the country. And we've heard, I've heard Jay Williams say it. I've heard Jay Billis talk about it. Everybody named Jay that covers basketball said it. So, um, yeah, look, it, it'd be great. Uh, I think Auburn does have a really good chance to get a really high seed, and that, that does help. Um, but at the end of the day, this t- 
team, right, I think is defined by their depth. And I, just like any sport in the world, the deeper I am, the more ways I can win if it's not going well in other areas. So I think that's a big strength of this team. Jake, great stuff as always. That's just the tip of the iceberg of things you guys are talking about. I'll let everybody know about Crane & Company. Oh, definitely, man. Uh, check us out. We're, we're still talking everything college football, talking Auburn as well. We're covering the Ryan Williams recruitment. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at C-R-A-I-N-N Company, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We go live each weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. We take live calls and a live chat. We got Ron Slay, uh, speaking of college basketball, is going to come on tomorrow and break down this Auburn-Alabama game. Uh, the metrics are just insane with, with both of these teams in, in certain areas. So, listen, if, if you like sports talk the way it used to be, come and, uh, come and hang out with us a little bit. Thanks again, man. Uh, really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the week. Great stuff, Jake. Hey, you too, guys. Talk to you all later. All right. Uh, we need to get to our final break. Stick with us. We'll be back to wrap it up here on the Tuesday Drive. It's time to stop dealing.